0: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch, fastball, pull, and pass. Albertos and to the corner. Get up, Bob. Get up, get out of here. Get up. Got a fantasy question? Email Fantasy Baseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes real. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. All right,
1: it is Monday, March 11th. Welcome, everybody. This is Fantasy Baseball Today. And if you listen to our Friday show, we did an auction, and we just finished about 10 minutes ago. Or at least it sort of feels that way. Uh, welcome to the show here on Fantasy Baseball Today. It is Adam, Scott, and Heath. And it's such a shame that Chris Towers isn't here today, guys, because I have a segment called Chris Messed Up. Should we do it anyway?
0: Oh, 100%. Okay.
2: <laughs> it's easier to talk badly about him behind his back Oh, it's right? much
1: more fun when he's actually here, Scott It's much more fun But I assume Chris, who's a little under the weather today Will be back tomorrow to defend his honor So Chris messed up Get excited for that segment in a little bit Send us your emails at at fantasybaseball.cbsi.com And tomorrow, you will find out how to get into the podcast league uh, Heath, are we going to be doing two podcast
0: leagues this year? Well, we'll do one podcast league and one pe- one league for the people
1: Perfect. So, but they're for podcast listeners. So that's their podcast. For the thing. people. For the people. Okay. Uh, uh today we're talking about. Already stages. getting
2: stressed about that second one.
1: Don't worry, Scott. I'll take care of it. We're teammates. Just let me do all the work. That'll never happen. Um, <laughs> all right. So, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has an oblique strain. Clayton Kershaw is going to throw a bullpen session today. Uh, we got Adam Jones going to the Diamondbacks. And uh, sleepers is our big topic today, and of course we'll finish up on the auction, tell you some interesting uh, $1 players, players who were drafted in the reserve rounds. Guys, we haven't really had a chance to talk about, and also some some takeaways from that draft. Let's start, though, with Heath Cummings' favorite sleeper for 2019, and then we'll get a few more later in the show. Go ahead, Heath.
0: It is Jake Bowers. And I was so pleased to see the other day on Twitter that Al Melchior is on board with the Jake Bowers hype. And he was actually wrote a piece talking about how he'd move Bowers down his rankings a little bit, but was still 50 points, 50 spots higher than anyone else in the industry. And Mm. I'm in a similar spot. I just, I really think there's some excellent potential with the way, how hard he hit the ball when he hit it in the air. And I think there's one of two things that happens. Either he goes to Cleveland, which is a much better park for left-handed power hitters, and turns into a 25-30 homer guy. Or, and he's talked about this, possibly maybe not going for power quite so much. He's always been a really good contact guy in the minor leagues. It shouldn't be that surprising this year if he's actually a decent batting average guy. Most importantly, I expect him to hit in the middle of an Indian's order that has a lot of really good hitters at the top, And not much, not many people to challenge him for a spot in the lineup below him.
1: Who would you rather have in a roto league? Jake Bowers or Carlos Santana?
0: I'd still rather have Santana and he's a really good value as well. Um, but I think they're both, they're both good, good choices.
1: Okay. And Scott, you, you know, you don't really feel the Jake Bowers love, right? I
2: mean, there's a lot more first baseman and, a lot of first basemen and outfielders I like, that. and I'll give you one right now if you want.
1: Oh, is this your sleeper? Yeah. Okay, I, w- I was promised one of them. I was promised a sleeper that was kind of new, kind of kind of different. New. All right, this
2: is new to our sleeper discussion. All right, Not, let's hear I it. I mean, for me anyway, we talked about him before, but I uh, I find myself over and over again drafting Pete the Bat, Pete Alonzo, Rookie for the Mets who has massive power potential that he's been showing off this spring pretty nicely. Uh, some scouts give him an 80 power grade, which is, which rarely comes along. And uh, he's a guy who walked a lot in the minors last year too. The Mets have said, their GM has said, said even before spring started that he wanted him to be the Mets opening day first baseman. I'm still skeptical they're going to let him. Rather than give him the two weeks he needs in the minors to, uh, to then get called up and buy an extra year of team control that way. But it's not a long wait either way. And, you know, not any longer than Aloy Jimenez or, well, I guess Vladimir Guerrero is dealing with an injury now, but either way, it's going to be a little wait for all of those guys, not any longer for Pete Alonso. And yet he goes very, very late. Nobody seems to be investing that much in him. I love getting him as my utility option or my corner infield option in a Roto League. I think he could put up Reese Hoskins-type numbers potentially this year. Pete the Bat, I'm all in. Pete Alonzo.
1: So, Heath, would you rather have uh, Pete Alonzo or Jake Bowers?
0: I'll still take Jake Bowers. I do think one other thing that we didn't talk about with Bowers that he'll provide that, that Pete Alonzo is not going to is I expect that Bowers is probably going to steal 10 to 12 bases.
1: Okay, there you go. You have some first base options. It's not the deepest of positions, so Jake Bowers and Pete Alonzo, you can get them late. And uh, those are a couple of sleepers. We're going to have a lot more for you later on in the show. Who's ready for Chris Messed Up? Yes. (laughs) All right. I I really wanted him to be on, but Chris, I know you're listening, so I'm just going to tell you that you drafted Luke Voigt. You uh, you got him in the auction. You should have drafted Greg Bird. Okay? You messed up. but He should have. This is 30 man <laughs> rosters. I took Greg Bird with the last pick in the draft. 12 teams, 30 man rosters. That is is players. You're saying he players. should have
2: hedged his bet and got yes, both. Yes, he should
1: have gotten both. Okay, I thought yes.
2: I thought you were saying it's already birds.
1: No, no, so he shouldn't have
2: drafted Voight at all. He it could I'm be. I'm glad we're having guy. this conversation because now I don't have to touch on Voight as my sleeper. Uh yeah. yeah. I mean, Aaron Boone made it clear the other day, both Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman that. There's only room for one of these first basemen. So whoever wins the job is the first baseman. It's there's there's no threat of a platoon here, which is what I was most concerned about. Bird being left handed hitter, Voight being the right handed hitter. Not gonna happen. It's either or. And I also kind of feel like that favors Voight, right? I can't can you imagine them sending him down
1: no, after it's hard. the way he
2: finished last season? I mean I guess it's possible, but it it would be shocking to me.
1: Yeah, and they're both having good springs. I just think that it's not a bad idea. Sometimes it's a good idea to take two closers if they're both battling it out. Like if you want to draft Pedro Strop and Brandon Morrow, if you want to draft two Diamondbacks closers or you know closer options, uh, the White Sox with uh, Herrera and Colome. You know, it's not necessarily a bad idea to use two roster spots if they're late enough on uh, on one player. And Voigt you can't get all that late but bird obviously i mean i got him 360th nobody wants him it's not a bad fallback option just in case luke Voigt, who's going 201st overall does not win the job um and uh scott luke Voigt, trevor ba- uh jake bowers pete alonzo rank them i go alonzo
2: then Voigt, then bowers for me pretty significantly behind heath but yeah i look love-
0: yeah, I'll go Bowers, then Alonzo, then Voight.
1: All right. couple things to promote for you. We got the Commissioner product for all you serious fantasy players, cbssports.com slash FBT. You're going to love it. Great stuff. I talked about the league history. That's very a, a great feature. Made me actually feel good about what I've done in the uh, auction league that we've been doing for years. And Sportsline. Okay, I tweeted about the Who Do I Keep tool. So Chris Towers, I believe this is a Chris Towers jam. Uh It's really cool. You can plug in... You know, player X in, in round 8 versus player Y in round 4. And we we'll, we have a tool that will help you figure out the best value, who to keep. There's so many great things, uh, including the Aces story that we've talked about on Sportsline. And if you want to try it for just $1 for your first month and then nine ninety nine after that, go to Sportsline.com and sign up with the promo code Vegas. Promo code is Vegas. Scott, have you ever been to Las Vegas? I have not. It's very fun. Okay. He Heath, tell him what he's missing.
0: No. What's that? Tell him what he's missing. Uh, like, well, you I'm you trying like to Vegas. think of things that Scott's missing that Scott would enjoy. Um <laughs> I I've like Vegas and I don't do a lot of times things that Scott doesn't do. Go ahead, sorry. Uh, I I have been four times and I don't know that any of those trips involved things that <laughs> Scott would want to participate in.
1: <laughs> well then yeah. I'll tell Scott there's great food, there's theater uh-huh. There's okay. gambling. You're, why, gonna, you're gonna have to gamble. Why? Are you guys trying to sell me on Vegas. I right just think now? you I should understand. go. You should go. All right. Okay. Um, maybe someday. News and notes. Let's talk about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He's out at least three weeks with an oblique strain. Uh, and he's been working on his conditioning this season. He's, he's not the trimmest guy in the world. Um, Heath. What, what do you make of this Vladimir Guerrero Jr. injury?
0: It's not good. Now, I didn't have him ranked as, like, a top 50 player overall, and so I don't feel quite as nervous about it. I've got him at 63. I, I don't think I'm going to drop him down yet. My I expected that he was not going to be up on opening day. I wasn't 100% sure that he was just going to show up magically five days after the season started to make sure his service time was right. And the the way they've talked about him this spring, it's been, for the most part, insulting. He's probably their best baseball player. But now that he's got this issue, one that we know does linger for hitters sometimes, it's really more of an excuse for the Blue Jays to take it things slow with him. I I think there's a chance that we don't see him until May now, which would be really bad.
1: So how far should he drop in overall rankings? He's a fourth round pick, you know, in the forties. ADP is currently 40, 48 Um yeah, sometimes you might. Slip I think in the that fifth was round. too high
0: in the first place for me. Uh-huh. But I, I still think because of his upside, and he could, like, he's one of the guys that we could be talking about next year. That's just all of a sudden a first round pick because of how good he was in two thirds or three fourths of a season this year. Yeah. Um, I, I still think if he's there in the sixth or seventh, you got to think really hard about it.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking sixth round too. Um. And it probably does change his timetable slightly because they, they probably will want to make sure he's really swinging the bat normally before he comes up. So I'm kind of thinking May 1st, too. It, it could still be middle of April, but, I mean, the timetable works that it could still be middle of April like we were expecting all along. But I'll give him a couple more weeks, say May 1st.
1: So would you take Matt Carpenter or Vladimir Guerrero?
0: Carpenter.
2: I would, I would probably take Carpenter and points, but I think I'd still take Guerrero and, and Roto.
1: And last point about Guerrero, uh, wouldn't he be better in, uh, in points leagues? Because his play discipline is so good? It, well, or it should
2: be. Um, anyway.
0: <laughs> it depends. Is he going to hit 330?
2: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think format, I don't think he's going to be very format specific, to be honest. It's more a case of Carpenter with that comparison. Carpenter obviously excelling right. in points leagues.
1: Clayton Kershaw will throw a bullpen session today. He could be ready for the start of the season. Anybody buying that? Uh (laughs) (laughs) I'm not. Not really. No, I'm not. (laughs) I I wouldn't say not opening day.
0: I wouldn't say I'm buying it, but it does bring up the point. And I I've avoided Kershaw recently. I have him on one or two teams that we drafted a little bit a couple a few weeks ago. I do think it brings up a point that the way he's falling in drafts right now, he could be one of the best draft day values if he happens to stay healthy.
1: Right. It's just like, OK, even if he recovers from this, gets back an opening day or misses one turn through the rotation, it's just a reminder of the risk that you're taking with Clayton Kershaw. And
0: But the risk is largely being priced in now.
1: Oh, yeah, I'd say so. So who should go first, yeah. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or Clayton Kershaw? Kershaw. I, I would, would say
0: Kershaw. Kershaw for sure in a points league. In Roto, it's, it's really close.
1: All right, more notes. Uh, Ryan Brazier, Boston relief pitcher. He's making progress. He's recovering from a toe infection, but he has not pitched in a spring training game yet, which would seem to ind- indicate that Matt Barnes is the favorite. And Scott got Barnes for one dollar in our auction league. He might have gotten the Red Sox closer for a dollar. I took Brazier in the yep. reserve rounds. Now that's an example, Scott. If if Brazier had been there, I took him one of my with seven reserve rounds after we auctioned off twenty-three players per team. Would you have taken Ryan Brazier? if the you know if the opportunity had been there
2: and hedged my bet yeah uh i really think it's going to be i really think it's like he's the stated favorite even before this toad thing came well, up so I, I, I don't have much doubt it's going to be him so i probably wouldn't have
0: i, I just want Has barnes had a little bit of a, an injury issue as well cuz he's only made one appearance this spring and absolutely got lit up
2: yeah um I don't know. They might be slow playing him. I haven't heard anything about an injury, but I think, I think he has the potential to be really good as a closer. His 14.0 K per nine were sixth among all relievers last year. ERA, VIP, Sierra all suggest that 365 ERA he had was on the high side and that should be closer to like, should have been closer to like 270. So, uh, you know, obviously the Red Sox team that you would think would provide ample save opportunities. So Barnes, this is great. I, I was having trouble narrowing down the four sleepers I was going to talk about. It. We crossed off Voit. We crossed off Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes, one of my favorite late rounders to target for saves,
1: because he's going to be so good with the strikeouts too. So now I am down to four. All right, good. And I, I just got. I good help. I just think that it does make sense to also take Brazier if, if again, if you're not giving up much. I mean, if you're doing a thirty round draft, you could get Brazier round twenty five or later or something like that. And. I just don't know that there's a harm in that, but, uh, but Barnes should go first. And, uh, you know, Barnes, a little scary, four, four and a half walks per nine, but it's not so uncommon for closers. But here's my bold prediction, and you shouldn't draft on this. I'm just going to say it so when it actually happens, uh, everybody says, Oh, Acer, great call. Uh, Felipe Vasquez will be the Red Sox closer after the All-Star break. Uh, <laughs> they will make a trade at some point. Uh, let's see. Adam Jones, one year, three million dollar deal. He had a pretty bad year last year, but his home run-to-fly ball rate was basically cut in half. If it had been normal, probably would have had a normal Adam Jones year, which is fine. Uh, Is he an everyday player, Scott, and should Adam Jones be drafted in mixed leagues?
2: He shouldn't be drafted in mixed leagues. There seems to be a question as to how much he's going to play. They had Quetel Marte ready to take over as the team's regular center field. He's flanked, of course, by David Peralta, who's not going anywhere, and Steven Souza, who has injury issues, has consistency issues. I think it, it could come to pass that uh, that Souza just falls out of the lineup, that maybe Marte goes back to the infield. But obviously, I don't think either of those is going to be the plan from the start. But we'll wait to hear more. Okay. Jones, I think, is a better bet
0: for deeper leagues. Well, and the, th- the thing about their position with Marte, and he can play three different positions. They've talked about wanting him to play three different positions. I mean, right now they've got Wilmore Flores slated as their starting second baseman and Nick Ahmed slated as their starting shortstop. There's a lot of opportunities for guys to get plate appearances. There's very few guys that have to be in a lineup every day. But
1: does it hurt Cattell Marte? Does it make him less than an everyday player?
0: I don't think Cattell Marte is going to be the guy that plays less. Okay. I think he's going to play as much as he can, and where he plays, we don't know yet.
1: Heath, Jose Altuve will not return until at least this weekend due to side soreness. So not, I'm quite. glad that I didn't get him in our auction. <laughs> I did. Uh, man. I don't no, remember. I'm not
0: worried. I'm not worried about him yet. If it, if it bleeds into next week, then maybe I get, I start getting concerned, but right now I'm fine.
1: Scott, the Braves are going to use two closers. What's your take on the Braves bullpen?
2: That's kind of the way I saw it playing out. Uh, going matchups with the lefty AJ Minter, the righty Erodis Viscaino. It's not totally clear whether Viscaino is healthy so i mean obviously if it's if it's a true split lefty righty it would favor viscaino he would get the majority of the saves there but i have a feeling it's going to be close to a 50 50 split or maybe minter overtaking this guy you know sooner than later depending on health and uh, you know once that happens you might just keep the job but there's always a chance the Braves go sign craig kimbrell and this becomes
0: a move point
1: there you go uh, Heath, Jorge Alfaro has knee inflammation. Have you dropped him in your rankings at all?
0: I've not yet, but I probably have to consider if it drags on for another week. He is one of those guys that the, the floor is extremely low for Alfaro, but once you get past those top 12 or 13 catchers, you're just looking for somebody that has the upside to possibly be good. I still think as hard as he hits the baseball, he has that upside, but it won't matter if he can't get on the field.
1: Tyler Skaggs, already the injuries begin. He was scratched with arm fatigue. They really are downplaying it, and MRI was negative. He said he was messing around with a new pitch in the bullpen, and his arm got tired. So I'm just going to take Tyler Skaggs at his word. He seems like an honest guy. Are uh, you still going to
0: Tyler Skaggs?
1: I, I am going to Tyler Skaggs. Okay. Uh, yes, hopefully this is no, no big deal. Kyle Seeger, on the other hand, we are awaiting uh, MRI results on his wrist, which he hurt over the weekend. The Royals signed Martin Maldonado to a one-year, $2.5 million deal. Is Maldonado the starting catcher for the Royals? Yes. And we don't really care.
2: Uh, Probably not. I was hoping they signed Evan Gaddis to be their catcher. They love the former
0: Braves. Yeah, I think he's, uh, he's a borderline number two catcher. Okay. Uh,
1: Blake Snell not happy about his small pay raise. I don't blame him. Jimmy Nelson's gonna make his spring training debut today, and Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez are engaged. It's great news. They should go to Vegas. Jose Conseco
0: is not happy about it.
1: He's not? He was tweeting about that.
0: What? Not happy at all. <laughs> he actually tweeted his phone number last night asking J Lo to call him because he had some stories he wanted to share with her.
1: Are you serious? I'm serious. Jeez, he's like Did you call the phone number? An anarchist.
0: I did not call the phone number. Maybe we should. Maybe oh, we
1: could get our studio to call him and like Skype him in. We could get an interview with him. That would be fantastic.
0: <laughs> I think it would be a, probably a very good podcast.
1: Alright, we got some sleepers from Scott and from Heath. We have helped Scott eliminate the ones he thought he might want to talk about. So he's excited to give you three or four more sleepers. Heath will do the same. We will come right back after this.
3: Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Warned by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. All right, Scott, let's get uh, let's get your sleepers.
1: Give me a few. So you gave us Pete Alonzo earlier in the show. Who else do you want to talk about today? Mm-hmm. We
2: also talked about Luke Boyd, Matt Barnes. Uh, a guy I'm drafting a lot, and we have talked about him quite a bit, is Mil Reyes, who I believe is the most talented outfielder in terms of bat skills that the Padres have, and that's including Will Myers. Obviously not as proven as Myers, but I think he could be better. He, If you look at what he did after coming back from the minors last year, I mean, the the, the, the numbers at their face are impressive enough, but he was pretty awful... And on his initial call up and then got significantly better after the return from that point forward. That was like at the start of August. He, uh, um, he hit 318 with 10 home runs and a 933 OPS. His strikeout rate was way down. It was like 20%, which is closer to what it was in the minors and not high at all for a power hitter, actually very low for a power hitter. He hits the ball to all fields with. Pretty much evenly, so he's not going to be a guy who's vulnerable to uh, to uh, um, shifts or anything like that. And his average exit velocity was, I think it was top 15. It, was, it wasn't it was far behind like a Giancarlo stand. He hits the ball really hard. He hits it everywhere, and he hits it consistently. So you're talking about a guy who could certainly hit for power. I mean, you just double last year's home run total. You're talking a 32-homer season. That's how many he hit between the majors and minors last year. And he could probably hit for average too, looking at the rest of the profile there. I'm very excited about him. I'm not sure he's going to be an everyday player right away. Uh, so that's why it's, it's a little harder to draft him in like a head to head points league with three outfielder leagues, but certainly five outfielder leagues. I love taking him as my fourth or fifth guy. And, uh, I think when he eventually does claim an everyday role, you'll be excited to have him in any format.
1: That's Framil Reyes going 288th overall. Some of the outfielders going ahead of him are Randall Grichuk, Domingo Santana, Shinsu Chu, uh, Max Kepler. Would you take him ahead yuck. of all those guys?
2: I mean, I kind of like Kepler, but some of the names you were mentioning, yuck. Yeah, <laughs> I would take him. Um, oh, so Chu, Kepler, who else did you say?
1: I said Domingo Santana yeah. and Randall Grichuk.
2: Yep. Yep, take him over
1: all of them. Yeah, yeah, nope. All right, let's go. Let's go to. <laughs> let's do a Heath sleeper now. Heath, go
0: ahead. Well, let's talk about Domingo Santana. Why don't we? He is a guy who is going to have an everyday job. Hits the ball extremely hard. Has shown the ability to steal bases in the past. I mean, he's available after pick two hundred, and he has a 30-15 season already on his resume. He's been crushing the ball so far in spring training. I expect him to hit pretty close to the middle of the order. Because the Mariners don't have a very deep order, but I don't think it's because the Mariners don't have any talent in their lineup. They're still going to have decent hitters in front of him. This is a guy who could be looking at a 3,100 season. It doesn't hurt you in batting average. He's kind of what we hope Fran Reyes might be able to be, minus the steals.
1: Uh, well, it's also, we're hoping that Domingo Santana could be that because he obviously struggled last year, but he was well, he,
0: number 22. Playing time was a concern last year, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, he only played 85 games. He was sent to AAA. Uh, but in 2017, Domingo Santana was 22nd in points, 16th in roto. And as he'd said, 30, 30 home runs, 15 steals, and, uh, 29 doubles as well. All right. So Heath would take Santana over Reyes. Scott would take, Reyes over Santana. This, they don't necessarily agree mm-hmm. on those two. Um, although I know that Scott isn't really loving Domingo Santana. But, Heath, how do you feel about Mel Reyes?
0: I, I don't necessarily disagree with anything Scott said about Mel Reyes. Um, I mean, obviously the full season statistics are, are more predictive than what he did after he came back. But it was encouraging. My bigger problem is I don't really see how they can play Will Myers in center field every day. I don't think they're taking Hunter Renfro out of right field. I, that's where I expect him to play. And so I, I do think it's going to be difficult for Reyes to get regular playing play time. Play, you know the word I, I'm I, do. to yes. say.
2: I don't know when you're talking about a guy breaking into the big leagues that full season numbers are more predictive. Like maybe full season majors and minors combined. But, like, um, you know, he, he, he obviously was overwhelmed, I think, that first stint up, which is why he got sent back down. I mean... You gotta give the guy a chance to develop before you start digging into the numbers like that. Alright, Heath,
0: give well, me another Well, that was sleeper. obviously really hot at the end, but I don't think that's necessarily what we should expect either. Those are his minor league numbers in that first
1: Yeah, yeah, no. We shouldn't expect him to do what he did. The last 31 games, he had a 978 OPS and a 395 BABIP. We're not expecting that from Reyes. Uh, Heath, give me another
0: sleeper. Um, I'll go with Luke Weaver. Who we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast. I think he has a good chance to be a new ch- change of pace guy. He has. Uh he's been one of those pitchers that really has kind of bought into the technology. I think he went and bought his own Rap Soto machine, which is something that kind of helps you uh see the details of your pitches a little more clearly than you can see with a naked eye or even on video. And he has really apparently improved his curveball. I'm expecting Luke Weaver to be a solid number three or number four starter this year, and he is free on draft day.
1: Alright, I am going to look up how much it costs to buy a Rapsodo machine. And, Scott, uh, give me, give me another sleeper while I try to do this.
2: Uh, yes, I am going to give you Marco Gonzalez, who is my favorite late round pitcher to target. When I'm drafting with Chris Towers, I rarely get him because I think he and I are in the same boat here, but pretty much always get him when I'm not drafting with Chris Towers, and really it's, you're not going to you're not going to find that lack of downside in the late rounds he is well equipped for run prevention two of the three legs of the fifth triangle he actually dominates on, it's kind of like Miles Michaelis that way, he had the ninth lowest fly ball rate of any qualifying pitcher last year, the fifth lowest walk rate, and he struck out more, like a, a batter per um, a batter per nine inning more than Miles Michaelis last year. Uh, but really, you know, just the fact that he's a control artist who and a ground ball specialist. If he hadn't tried pitching through a neck injury in August, eventually succumbed to the DL, but he had a few starts where he was trying to pitch through it. Entering August, he had a 3.37 ERA. Spends time on the DL. Comes back in September, has a one seventy one ERA in four starts. So you're talking about a low three ERA, if you take out that stretch where he tried to pitch through injury and ended up with a 4 ERA on the season. So that kind of shows you the extent, how, how good he is at preventing runs. And so he's their opening day starter. So he is. they're going to ride him pretty hard this year. Yep. Who
1: you, yeah, who do you guys like better? Heath Sleeper, Luke Weaver, or Scott's Sleeper? And not to say that Heath and Scott don't like Luke Weaver or Marco Gonzalez, but the, just the guys that they threw out. Scott threw out Marco Gonzalez. Heath threw out Luke Weaver. Who do you like better? Me? Doesn't matter. Uh, Gonzalez. Uh, Weaver. <laughs> I figured as much. Um,
2: okay, so should I get the... I thought that was one of those, like, listeners, at home, answer along
0: at home, who do you like more?
1: Should I get the, asking... uh, the, uh, the $200 travel case for the Soto machine?
0: Well, I think you want to. I mean, you're not, like, you're, are you only going to use this at home? You're going to need to go to the park and use it in places. You don't want to spend $4,000 on a machine and then have it break down on you.
1: How'd you know how much it costs? And then there's the upgrade kit. I'm gonna get the upgrade the upgrade kit and the year subscription. So that's seven hundred seven uh one thousand five fifty. So we're talking about fifty six hundred bucks without taxes for the Rap Machine. That's quite a commitment from Luke Weaver. Good for him. Uh Scott, give me another sleeper.
2: Danny Jansen. The Blue Jays expected starting catcher. It became pretty clear he was going to be the main guy back there after they traded Russell Martin to the Dodgers. And, uh, he has a very interesting batted ball profile. One that it's hard, it's hard to imagine him failing really based on the standard for comparison there at catcher. Makes a lot of contact, uh, you know, like a one to one strikeout to walk ratio in the minors has some power enough that you expect him probably to hit between 15 to 20 homers, maybe even a little more given the current offensive environment in the majors. Depends how many bats he gets, of course, but I think he'll get a lot. And he, he lengthens what's, a, a, what seems like a very small window for you to grab a, catcher who's going to make a difference for you in fantasy even in a one catcher league there's so few of them it's one fewer now that salvador perez is out for the season having tommy john surgery danny jansen tends to drop a couple rounds behind the last of that group and includes yadier molina buster posey uh those are probably the 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 stragglers from that group so danny jansen somebody i end up with a lot because i'm just not ready to pay the premium at the position um I I have other priorities at that point in the draft. End up with Danny Jansen as my starting catcher, and I think he's going to be a real difference maker there.
1: All right, Danny Jansen, he's eighth for Scott. He's seventh for Heath. Heath has Jansen ahead of or Molina, and Scott does not. But, yeah, he was a top-nine catcher, and then Salvador Perez out for the year with Tommy John. So now um Jansen is a top-eight catcher. with very limited Major League track record. Uh It just goes to show you what this position is like. I mean... Top 12, we're talking Wellington Castillo for Scott, Jorge Alfaro for Heath. Uh, Heath, give me another
0: sleeper, please. I'm going to do the thing that I always criticize and talk about splits within season. Because (laughs) Reynaldo Lopez had a weird, weird, weird year last year. There was a big portion of the year where he was not very good, but he had some very good batted ball luck and kept his ERA below four and kept pitching deep into games. But then late in the year, his last seven starts, He went seven innings in four of them, at least six innings in six of them. He had a 1.38 ERA, actually struck out more than a batter per inning, and his FIP was below three as well. And so the beginning of this year in spring training, he hasn't been very good so far, but he is still striking out a lot of guys. Lopez is a guy with good pedigree. Looked like he started to figure some things out in the second half of last year. And again, like Luke Weaver, pretty much free on draft day.
1: Okay. So to recap, Scott told you Pete Alonso, Framel Reyes, Marco Gonzalez, and Danny Jansen as sleepers. He had uh, Jake Bowers, Domingo Santana, Luke Weaver, and Ronaldo Lopez as his sleepers. And those are just eight. There are a lot more. Please go to the website, cbsports.com slash fantasy slash baseball, cbssports.com slash fantasy slash baseball, and get a whole list of sleepers. Yep. Yeah. 2.0 is up for me.
2: Version 2.0 is up for me. Heath, I think, is writing his version 2.0 this year. This, uh, week. this week. This week. <laughs> I hope you're right. Also this year. This year.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yes. Other names so you'll read about uh, include uh Nick Senzel and Brad Peacock. So I'm really <laughs> – so here's my thing about Brad Peacock. I, well, I, I gave the stats on Friday's show. He was so good as a starter in, in 2017, pitched exclusively as a reliever in 2018, but – At the later stages of 2017, Peacock really cut down on the walks, which had plagued him for basically his entire career. And then as a reliever last year, he was under three walks per nine. Very, very good. Very encouraging stuff. What I don't understand is why it was even like, like, why wasn't it just obvious to put him in the rotation? You know, the Astros may know something we don't know, but based on how good he was in 2017, how good he was as a reliever last year, the improvement in control, it should have been a layup for him to be the fifth starter. Like, they didn't need to go out and sign Wade Miley. They had enough guys. Well,
0: yeah. I, I think the concern is, and it, it was evident even when he was really good in 2017, he was just barely more than five innings per start. They have a lot of young guys that we expect to move into the rotation at some point this year. And mm. so I, I don't think they see him as a long term answer at starter. He's more of a guy that's going to give you five innings. Maybe he goes six once. Um, but that's
2: kind of, in today's game, that's kind of the norm for a fourth, fifth, maybe even a third starter, right? I mean, you're not getting a lot of length. From the I,
0: I think less than, than six innings rotation. is not that surprising. I think just barely more than five is is a little different. Okay. Like he had a lot of starts where he was going four innings.
1: Well, look, maybe it's more important in a in a roto league or a league that doesn't count quality starts or something like that, but um, but I, I, there's a lot to be excited about with, with Brad Peacock. I'm pretty pumped about him. And he went for a decent amount in our auction, so I think I can look it up. I remember. You remember? I he think was it was four bucks, early. five bucks. You know,
2: he, he, he probably could have gone for a dollar if we were at that, If he was nominated at that stage, right. um, I think my values have him at four, but you know, it it depends so much on when a player gets nominated and and how the rest of the auction plays out in terms of how aggressively we bid for higher end players, how much money's left at that point.
1: Yeah, he went for five dollars. We'll talk, uh, more about the auction in just a minute. I want to give a note. Like I said, we're going to have, um, the podcast league entries. Hopefully tomorrow I'll make an announcement about it. And we're going to do the drafts. At least, Heath, I won't speak for you in the, for the people league, but the regular podcast points league will certainly be after the two games in Japan. Right, Heath, for the people, for the people league? I would say yes. Yeah. So, uh, we'll tell you how to get in hopefully tomorrow and you'll have some time to get in. So you don't have to rush. But we're getting a ton of emails now, and it's awesome. FantasyBaseball at CBSi.com. I just want to let you know I can't read all of them on the show. I can't respond to all of them. So, you know, I know some people respond like three times to the email. Hey, how come you're not reading my email? We just ha- I just have a full inbox, and I can't get to everything. I can, however, get to this next one because it requires some regulating. All right, one Fantasy regulators, and then we'll get our final auction takeaways and tell you what else you need to know from spring training. This one is from the Big Dog. I think this is a very mean fantasy regulators. Big Dog, I think you're oh. crazy. But I would like to know what Heath and Scott have to say. Okay. Big Dog is the commission of his league. That means I'm the real fantasy regulator in my league. But I wanted to settle this issue once and for all. I wanted to raise my league buy-in to $100, but the rest of my league won't comply because they are either all broke or scared. I think this should give me probable cause to kick these people out from the league and replace them with people who make more money. Big dog out.
0: <laughs> um this is, It depends. This is cruel. Because the way you phrased this is like nobody else wants to do this. If that's the case, then maybe they should kick you out of the league.
1: Yeah, I think so, big dog.
0: But – if it was a situation where you had 11 owners that wanted to play for $100 and one guy who didn't, then I would agree with Big Doug.
2: Scott, who's going I mean, to of the You're league? putting in the legwork, right? You're setting up the league. You're recruiting everybody. Like it, it's, it's, it's kind of your league, right? I, I think the nicer thing to do would to be a, to start a secondary league that plays for a hundred dollars which i mean that's a lot for me
1: <laughs> so yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't I don't want i wouldn't want to be if in your league want to play it yeah it's a hundred bucks yeah
2: um, no. uh, that would be the nicer thing to do but if you don't want to have two leagues i mean if, if you think you can fill a league full of one guys who want to play for a hundred dollars that's I, I think it i think it's fine <laughs> I, I think you're letting the other, these other people down but i you know, unless one of them is willing... they One of them can step up and become the commissioner of a separate league if they want.
1: Yeah, I think the big dog is kind of a mean commish. I don't really uh, approve of your tactics. But I'll also say, Scott, if a $100 is too much for you for a fantasy baseball league, you probably should not go to Vegas. All right. <laughs> so how'd that auction turn out? Um I hope you all enjoyed the podcast on Friday. And it took over four hours to complete. That's why we didn't do the whole thing on the air. Um, I don't know how... Somehow I'm projected to be like last in like every hitting category, almost except for batting average. Your team's really bad. It does look pretty terrible. It does, <laughs> but you know what? Like, because right now I have Kyle Tucker and Gregory Polanco in my lineup, and obviously I have to replace them. I think so that you may
0: only have two outfielders that are going to be playing on opening day.
1: And that was, and that's a good point, because like, it. I know I've said like I, I don't think outfield is like super deep. I don't think you can just. Forget about it, or else you end up with my crappy outfield, which does include well, my I, track. What I
2: don't understand is, is you had a chance in the reserve draft, and you got one. You got Cole Calhoun, but you had a chance in the reserve draft to, to take several outfielders who have full-time roles right now. I know Nick Marcakis was one. Passed I, I was
1: going to take him. He got taken. Yeah. Um, yes. No. So I, I have an outfield problem, but I really think that I'll be able to like plug and play at outfield. Uh, I'll be able to get by. Um, so that and was you a,
0: have like four backup closers.
1: I have two backup closers. So I have Brazier so, and I have Greg Holland. Because and I, Kelvin Herrera. Well, and yeah, Andrew Miller. Oh, and you're Andrew right. Miller. You're right. OK, so that's that was my <laughs> philosophy. My philosophy was like we drafted fairly early. It was the eighth. And I want I I drafted Jordan Hicks. So I took Andrew Miller because I didn't want to draft Jordan Hicks and have him not get the closers role. And then I don't have the Cardinals closer. I'm gonna drop these guys before the season starts. Like, we have plenty of time. This is not my opening day roster. I, I covered my basis, but I won't talk. I, I, I have a couple of takeaways, uh, from the draft that I think can help people. Um, one, pay attention. I didn't pay close enough attention at times. And that's how I ended up with Kelvin Herrera, because I accidentally nominated him. Um, but he honestly might be the closer. Like, that might end up being okay. He was great last year for what it's worth.
0: He could be the closer at some point. I don't think he's gonna be ready for opening day. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. But
1: hopefully he goes on the DL. I just put him right on the DL. And then is terrible the first time out, and everybody thinks, oh, I, think I wish I had I
0: think your him. DL might be full.
1: <laughs> 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 okay, my team sucks. But, <laughs> Heath, what were, what were some of your takeaways from the auction? Uh, not just auction takeaways, necessarily. Well, whatever it is. You, you go nuts. I mean, I
0: think the biggest thing, and we, and this is probably too simplistic, but you really have to pay attention to how your auction is going, more so than with a draft, And it's true with the draft, too. Certain positions go really early. You've got to adjust. This auction, to me, and Scott, you can say if you agree or not, felt different than just about any auction we've done with this similar group of people in the past. There was not a period like there usually is of just enormous overpays for 20 or 30 players and then all of a sudden great values. It seemed like it it got – Adam, you referenced this. It got really weird – with some people nominating 1 and 2 dollar players and them going for 5 and 7. Right. But there wasn't a lot of overpay for the 30 or 40 dollar players. They mostly went right about where I had them. And so I didn't end up going with the strategy that I generally plan on, which is studs or stars and scrubs. I ended up with a pretty balanced roster instead.
1: Okay, and that like we said, every auction just has its own personality. And that's it's you know, you can prep all you want, I think you have to know. He kind of said, "I go in there with a plan. With a player A, I want. If I don't get him, here's my player B. And if I don't get him, here's my player C." That's that's not a bad approach. You have to have backup plans because well, things will go kind of haywire.
2: I, I think that's where it helps to have a set of auction values you're working off of. Not that you have to be like you you shouldn't be, um, really strict about following the auction values, but it it gives you a sense of like you want to know if those early players are going for too high or too low so that you're aware there's going to be money left or there's not going to be much money left later. And there's going to be a lot of bargains by my auction values. The high end guys still went for more than I had them. So from my, the perspective of my auction values, some of those late guys did go for less than, than I had them for. Um, I, I, I thought the bargains were decent. It it wasn't as extreme as past years, but I mean, one, one of my takeaways was just the closer role where you had the top guy, Edwin Diaz. I think he went for 18, which was too little, I think, by all of our, um, by what we would set our auctions that, va- well, we all set our auction values for him to be. Um, but it, it seemed like every closer, with a guaranteed role, went in the $13 to $18 range. There wasn't a lot of variance there. But then the guys who were available late, and there were, you know, maybe they're not as assured of getting, being the full time saves guy, but I mean, guys like David Robertson, Matt Barnes, I think Archie Bradley with the great Greg Holland spring is gone, not throwing very hard, getting, getting crushed. I, I think they're all pretty safely, the number one safe sources for their respective teams. And I got them for a combined $6. So I still feel like, you know, closer's not in, in an auction environment. The difference in value can be so great that it's still not something you want to pay up for unless you're getting great, great ratios, like from an Edwin Diaz. Um, and, and he's not going for 20-plus, you know?
1: Yeah, Diaz went for 18. We were surprised Ed, that Craig Kimbrough went for 19. He ended up being the most expensive closer. It was weird, um, but that does happen sometimes. But yeah, the closers, you're right. That's a good point about closers. One of my takeaways, it's just we know it to be true, but when you play in, like like I said, this was like a, this league in terms of league depth is like a 6 out of 10, 60 out of 100. It's a little bit on the deeper side, but it's not AL only, NL only. There is waiver, waiver wire, uh, good players on the waiver wire, but third base is just so deep. <laughs> and if you're going to wait somewhere, or you know not spend big somewhere if you really want to save your money it's not a bad idea to to wait at third base. Uh there's just so many good players. I got Justin Turner for $10. Um I also have Gurriel for $1 and he's third base and first base eligible which with my other takeaway, multi-position eligibility I think is very helpful. Um and and it comes into play where I took uh, Alex Bregman for $37. And that allowed me, at the end of the auction, I hadn't filled third base. And um I think I ended up using Bregman at short. But, yeah, I did. But I was looking at both the third baseman and the shortstops to see what was left. And if shortstop happened to have somebody better who was left, I would have moved Bregman to third base, and now I can bid on a shortstop instead of bidding on a third baseman. Just It just helps. So players with multi-position eligibility, I think uh, it gets a little overlooked sometimes. And that's uh, that's another takeaway that I had. I have one more, but Heath, uh, let me get you.
0: Yeah, I uh, my takeaway was how different this auction was. I, I don't know that I necessarily have another one. Oh,
1: okay. Scott, how about you? Do you have another one?
2: No. Uh. uh well, pitchers—the elite tier of pitchers—went for a lot in this one. Uh-huh. I think we all recognize how irreplaceable that is in a modern environment. Those. Those pitchers aren't just emerging from the middle of the pack with the consistency they they used to in the past. You may get one, maybe two true ace breakouts at starting pitcher these days and at a position with that many options. Obviously, you're, you're, you're talking about threading a needle in terms of landing those guys. So we all wanted to ensure we got one. I think most of us were probably hoping for two of them. And they very consistently went for more than I had them for I think it's a reflection of what we're seeing in fantasy
1: baseball as a whole. People really valuing those guys more than ever before. And that brings me to my final point. Now, you missed this. This wasn't on the air, but there was a moment that really screwed up my entire draft. I was editing the podcast while doing the auction, and I missed the one player that I really wanted to get. Because if you heard the show on Friday, you know I missed out on all the aces. I did not get an ace. Instead, I had Steven Strasburg. Uh, for $24, where all the aces were going in the $30 range or so. I think Garrett Cole ended up going for like 33 bucks, something like that. DeGrom and Scherzer were 36 So I had uh, Strasburg for $24, and there was one other player that I was determined to get, and it was James Paxton, and I could have gotten him for $21, and I missed the nomination. He went for 20 and it threw off my entire strategy. I ended up instead getting Jameis and Tyone for $19, and I would much rather have... Paxton for two more dollars if I miss out on all those aces so my goal was if I didn't get one of those top 13 or so aces to get both Strasburg and Paxton I believe that when they are healthy or if they stay healthy I believe Strasburg and Paxton their upside is Cy Young I think they could have that kind of season I don't think there's a chance that Jameson Tyone has that good of a season so I guess it's not just for auctions but that's my takeaway is if I miss out on those aces I might get two of those very talented, very high upside guys who have some risk. Strasburg and, and Paxton would be two great examples of that and hope that kind of makes up, uh, for not getting an ace. Luckily I got you Darvish for $14 and he's, you know, he's an ace. He just got hurt last year. I'm very confident in you Darvish. But, uh, yeah, my team sucks because I don't have Paxton <laughs> is basically, uh, what I was trying to say.
2: And, and uh, I, yeah, go ahead. Does go Paxton
0: ahead. play the outfield?
2: <laughs> you know, actually outfield. I'm I'm looking at your team now, Adam. You got some nice buys. I think uh Brian Dozier for two dollars is probably one of the standouts of the entire auction. Jose Abreu, you know for fifteen. Dozier he he was actually like playing through injury for all of last year. He says that's something that he feels like an MLB player is supposed to do. So he was quietly playing through a very bad bone bruise in his knee, which might help explain oh, yeah. why his year was so bad. So getting him for two dollars was nice. Justin Turner for ten dollars, I think, was good value. Uh, it's just that outfield is, is gonna take some work, for sure. Yeah. You got something to work with here. And even your pitching rotate, even your pitching staff, Strasburg, Tyone, Darvish, Glass now are your top four. Oh, no. There's uh, a lot of upside. Skaggs is, Skaggs is my ace. It's gonna take a lot going right. Oh, Skaggs is your ace? Yeah. I mean, there's upside (laughs) even there for him. There's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of high probability picks there, but you can, could definitely see it going right for you.
1: Oh, if only I had packs. The, you know, I was looking at the projections because I, I, I didn't love my team. And I looked at the projections. I said, oh, I'm projected to like be close to the league lead in, uh, in strikeouts. But those were hitter strikeouts. Certainly not pitcher strikeouts. <laughs> also, I just want to re- uh, tell everybody the text message I sent to Scott, Heath, and Chris yesterday um, telling them what we needed for today's show. Uh, number one, a few succinct takeaways from the auction. So, Heath, um, a yeah. few succinct takeaways from the auction. I'm just, you know, it was pretty clear. It was a writing there.
0: Right. I had a takeaway from the auction. Scott had one. You yeah. had one. That's a few.
1: Okay. Thank you. Uh, I did want to go over some of the interesting players that were drafted in this auction. Most of them were like a dollar or they were reserve round picks. I'm going to say a name, and I want a quick reaction about these guys. All right? Uh, a $1 Kyle Schwarber. Heath, go.
0: I there's there's definitely upside there but I get a little bit concerned he just doesn't look like he can hit lefties and I'm not sure he should play against them.
1: What if you had a lead, what if you were in a daily league? Like is Kyle Schwerber a sneaky play cuz he is great against righties?
0: Much better in daily leagues, yes.
1: Yeah, okay. Scott, a $7 Ryan Braun.
2: That was one of the worst buys <laughs> of the draft. I know he's I know he made some changes to his swing, hoping to elevate the ball better this year, and, and maybe it'll lead to better power production than kind of the downward trend he's been on. But uh it it's he's he's kinda he's kinda old to be making that change, and not only that, but he's kind of the Clayton Kershaw of hitters in that we know there are going to be built in periods of rest. It's
1: hard to rely on
2: him in a weekly league.
1: I won't even uh get a huge reaction on this one. I just want, he's got I think it was Heath. Paul DeYoung for a dollar.
0: I loved I it. Hey, he got so overlooked. There was a huge reaction, a fist pump from me when I got him.
1: Yeah, it was a good one. Paul DeYoung for a dollar. Um, some infielders. I thought Scott got a great value on Ryan McMahon. He was one of your last picks. He was in the reserve rounds. Ryan McMahon. He, he was my last reserve round pick. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Uh, he could be the starting second baseman. What's the, what is the probability that Hampson and McMahon share playing time?
0: 90%? I,
1: Ninety percent. That's okay. I mean, if,
2: if I, I, think Hampson has a spot for sure. Whether it's everyday second baseman, whether it's super utility guy, I think he's in. It's just a question of is McMahon in as the primary second baseman or not. The way they've ha- the Rockies have handled them this spring suggests to me that that's the way they're leaning. McMahon as their primary second baseman, Hampson playing some second base, some shortstop, some center field, getting close to everyday at bats that way. So, uh, I'm, I'm more enthusiastic about McMahon than I was before the start of the spring training when I just thought the job was going to go to Hampson.
1: Uh, how about these infielders? Catcher, catcher eligible, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, Pittsburgh third baseman, Jung Ho Gong, Padre second baseman, Luis Arias.
0: All exciting.
2: I, yeah. Yeah. Um, they, definitely, like, I like them more, and I think, in a deeper league than this. Like, when you go to 15-team leagues, certainly league-specific format, they're kind of that depth of sleeper for me and uh, don't often make the cut in a standard mixed league. But you definitely see the upside there for all of them. Jung Ho Gong sounds like he could win the third base job outright. And you look at his numbers from his first two years in the majors, pretty good power hitter. Arias, I'm not sure has the power, but he seems like a very safe profile, a guy who's going to hit for a, a good batting average, get on base a decent amount. Um, Falef is just, kind of Phileph is just interesting because he plays so much for a catcher eligible player. He's kind of the ranger super utility guy, some of that coming at catcher. I don't think the numbers are going to be that exciting, but just the volume could, uh, could put him higher in the uh, in the rankings than you expect.
1: Would you rather have Isaiah Kind of for or kind of Steady Eddie Wellington Castillo? Castillo. Yes, yep. Okay. How about these outfielders: Harrison Bader, Tyler O'Neill, Ramon Laureano, Leonis Martin, Cedric Mullins, Austin Meadows, and Detroit outfielder Kristen Stewart. Uh, a couple of Cardinals, Harrison Bader, Tyler O'Neal, Ramon Laureano, Leonis Martin, Cedric Mullins, Austin Meadows, Kristen Stewart. Uh, all pretty cheap. Heath, who interests you in that group?
0: Well, O'Neill is the one that I drafted, so I guess I should say him. I think he actually went in the reserve rounds, and I I just don't know why. Like Dexter Fowler started off the spring two for 16. He was worth negative two war last year jose martinez or tyler o'neill should be starting in right field o'neill's been crushing the ball so far this year
1: and he's got power he you know bad plate
2: discipline but Mm -hmm. yep when i go when i go the bargain basement route in that in a five outfielder league which i did in both my 15 teams uh leagues this year tout wars and tgfbi o'neill's one of the guys i love drafting from my bench i love drafting him i love drafting clint frazier got a couple shares of lewis brinson just those upside-y outfielders who you could see taking a big leap forward this year, even if they're not guaranteed playing time from the start.
1: But what about Harrison Bader or Loreano, Leonis Martins? Well, Sanchez
2: those are two. Yeah. Bader and Loreano are the two from this list that I drafted in this league. And th- what I like about both of them is they seem to have both power and speed. I'm not sure that they have enough to be 2020. But in a five-outfield league, in a league where, where stolen bases are in high demands, even even like a 15-15 guy is pretty valuable, and there's a chance they could sneak up with 20 of either one or the other. So they're they're interesting to me, and as uh, as a way of kind of rounding out a roto roster. Another guy I like a lot from this list you gave is Kristen Stewart, who I don't think has many concerns about his playing time in a, on a Tigers team with nothing going for it. And he was he was impressive down the stretch last year. Really good plate discipline, a lot of power. I think it's kind of a Carlos Santana-like profile, uh, which might be a little more exciting in a points league because of all the walks. But, I mean, there's a chance he hits more like 260 than 230. So I think Stewart is somebody uh, who's who's high on my, I guess, kind of my deep sleepers list.
1: Heath, how about these major league starting pitchers? I'll get Scott's thoughts on the minor league starting pitchers who were drafted, but these major leaguers who were taken late. uh Miami starting pitchers Trevor Richards and Sandy Alcantara. Minnesota starting pitchers Michael Pineda and Kyle Gibson. And Giants starting pitcher Jeff Samarja. Who do you like?
0: I think Gibson's probably going to be the best of these five starting pitchers, but he's also may be the least exciting to me. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what Pineda can do, and I— I really think the Marlins, at the very least, have three pitchers that you should be okay with starting when they're at home. So it's not a bad guy to have as a on your bench to start the season.
1: Okay, yeah, it's so weird. Gibson has never had a whip below one point two nine, and yet he's had two good ERA seasons. Strikeouts, I think, were up last year. Scott, minor league starting pitchers, uh, Chris Paddock, jeez, those numbers. Uh, Jesus Lizardo for the for Oakland. Justice Sheffield for Seattle, Forrest Whitley for Houston. Paddock, Lizardo, Sheffield, and Whitley all got drafted.
2: Yeah, I think that's deserved in a league of, of this depth. I'm, I'm kind of newly coming around to Chris Paddock here, who I wasn't giving much of a chance at all of being on the Padres' opening day roster. He has so little experience, but they're, they're really talking him up there. He had seven strikeouts, I think, in, in four innings in his most recent start. He says he's trying to be the opening day starter. Which might be a stretch, but if he's on the roster, uh, you know he's not going to last all season because that innings buildup is is so limited. But he could maybe get to 130 or so of innings with a great strikeout to walk ratio. Luzardo's kind of in the same boat, I think, in terms of how much innings he can provide and potentially. I mean, they're they're all kind of in the same boat. They're they're going to be limited with the innings. Uh, I think Paddock and Luzardo have the best chance of cracking the opening day roster. But Whitley, I expect to contribute as a starter at some point this year. Sheffield. I don't think I'm he not should have been sure drafted. He Profiles as a, sh- as a starter in the long run. Yeah. He's starting out in he's, the bullpen, he's right? a highly, he's a highly regarded pitching prospect. He's control issues, has, um, uh, a kind of a limited arsenal. Like it, it really screams relief to me, Sheffield's profile, but he's a starter for now and, and maybe he'll, maybe he'll surprise me.
0: I do. I do think Lazardo. He threw 110 innings, 109 innings last year. So I think he's got a reasonable shot of being able to throw 150, 160. They came out. I think it was yesterday or the day before. Said he's not going to be making the trip to Japan with the team, but is still in the mix to be in the rotation on opening day.
1: And I, we got to finish the show now. But I just want to say, like Chris Paddock, his career in the minors, he has a 182 ERA, a .8 whip. 20 walks to 230 strikeouts in 177 and two-thirds. That's like, it's unbelievable. Holy cow. <laughs> uh, and that's it for Fantasy Baseball today here on Monday. I'm sorry that we didn't get to your emails. I promise I'll make time for emails on Tuesday, so send us your emails at fantasybaseball@cbsi.com at for Scott White and Heath Cummings and Chris Towers who made a big mistake by not drafting Greg Bird. I'm Adam Azer. We'll talk to you tomorrow.